The scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you do not, there's a Bible in front of you, in the pew in front of you there you can use. I'm going to read the first six verses in chapter 4. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. You know, have your parents ever told you uh, that you represent the family? I know my kids are like, yes, Dad, I've heard that before. We've told our kids that before. You know, when you leave the house, you represent the family by what you do. Now, notice that I did not say when you leave the house, you know, the way you act determines whether you are in the family or not. That's not what I say. But I'm just saying that, you know, as a family, we believe certain things. We, we believe you should treat people a certain way. Therefore, when you go outside the house to the world, you should be living out who you are as part of our family. Well, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul has been reminding us of our calling. He has been reminding us of who we are in Christ. I mean, that is the first three chapters of the book. This is who we are in Christ. He's reminding us that God has loved us from before the foundation of the world. And because of His love that He sent His Son for us to provide a way for us to have this relationship with God restored. All throughout the first three chapters, He's telling us this. And not only that, that God in Christ has made it possible for diverse humanity to be brought into one body in Christ. And that God has these good works for us to, to go and walk in, to, to live out. And so we've learned that you know, we are the people of God. We are the body of Christ. We who were once dead in sin are now alive to God in Christ. Uh, that's who we are. That is our calling. That is who we are in Christ. And as Paul moves from the first three chapters to Ephesians into the final chapters, he is going to challenge us now to live out who you are. If this is who you are, then allow that to empower you to actually live it out in your life. What he's going to do is he's going to show us how our identity should fuel and drive our activity. So our identity should drive our activity. Listen to how Paul describes this in verse 1 as I read this verse again. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Here's an interesting note. A little Bible trivia fact for you. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul only gives one command. In the first three chapters. One command. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. And Paul, Paul's command to us is that we remember... We remember that apart from Christ, we were separated from God. But that in Christ, we have been reconciled to God. That we have a relationship with God. He wants us to remember that. That's the only command in the first three chapters. 
And then we get to chapter 4 and we find the next command that Paul gives. We are to walk, he says. We are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And so this verb, you know, to walk means to live out your life. It's how you live out your life. You walk. You, you live out a certain type of life. And so Paul tells us that we should live out our lives in a certain way. We should live out our lives in a manner worthy of our calling, who we are. And this meaning of the word worthy can be illustrated by a scale. Now, before digital scales and other modern methods of weighing items were invented, people used double pan balancing scales like you see here. Now, this is uh, actually Patsy and Connie and Lee were able to track a few down for me. Uh, this is actually not, not one you would actually probably use. It's more of a decorative piece. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to function for our illustrative purposes. But you maybe have used this type of scale in your science class, right? You get the little weights that you know, okay, this is a kilogram. And you put the kilogram on the one side. And then you have to weigh out some type of material on the other side. And you wait till it balances out. And then you know you have a kilogram of that material. So if you want to, for example... Back in the day, you know, you wanted a uh, half a pound of rice. You would take a, uh, these, are, these are my uh, scientific weights. I'll give you a hint where I found these, right, in the nursery. Okay, so you have, let's say, this is a half pound. Let's pretend this is a half pound, okay? So you put your half pound there and you say, you know what? I want a half a pound of, of rice. And so they start adding the rice. This is pretty chunky rice right here, but uh, very colorful too. And so as you add it, it begins to tilt it up. And then what you're looking for is the scale to kind of balance out. You see, you want it to get perfectly in line. It's kind of like a seesaw if you've ever been on a seesaw on the playground. But you're looking for balance. And this word here, worthy, means that when things are balanced this way, it is worthy. In other words, this amount of rice measures up to what this weight is. And so what Paul's saying is, on this side, you have your calling. This is who you are. You are in Christ. You are the people of God. You have moved from death to life. This is who you are. And on this side is how you live your life. And he's saying, this side here, this, the way we live out our lives, should be worthy of the calling. In other words, it should measure up. You should be living out who you are in Christ. And if it's not tilted right, it is unworthy. But if it's balanced, it is worthy. So Paul wants us to live our calling out. He wants to, us to walk in a manner worthy of who we are in Christ. And so he tells us some specifics on how this looks in verse 2. He says... It's a life characterized by humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So let's look at each of these virtues, each of these characteristics. And uh, what's interesting, if you think about it, each of these characteristics is kind of like a, a new car that you go to purchase at the car lot. In order to purchase your new car, you know, you trade in your old one. And so in order to embrace this new characteristic in your life, you have to trade in an old one. And so the first one he says is that the first characteristic he mentions is humility. And so if our lives are going to be characterized by humility, 
then we need to trade in self-centeredness. You can't be humble and self-centered at the same time. You're driving one of two cars here, right? And so you have to trade in self-centeredness if we are going to be a humble people. And the point here is the love of God for us in Christ is what brokers this trade-in deal. As we understand God's love for us, this is the trade that happens in our hearts. That we move from being a self-centered people to becoming a humble people. We move from being a do unto others before they do it unto you people to a do unto others as you would have them do unto you people. We move from a people that are looking out for their own interests to a people that are actually looking out for the interests of others more so than our own. So humility is, is possessed by remembering who God is and how He saved us by His grace. So I wonder, does anybody have some self-centeredness they need to trade in you know, this morning for a little humility? I see one in the back. Very good. Yeah, we all do. This, we want to walk worthy of our calling. And we know that is not being self-centered. It's being humble. And the way we grow in humility is just realizing who God is and how He brought us to Himself. It's not because we're so superior and just so smart and so moral. No, it's by His grace. That puts us in a place of humility. And what that does is it squelches the idea that we're superior to other image bearers of God. The second characteristic Paul mentions is gentleness. And as, as the Holy Spirit is brokering the trade-in deal in your heart by reminding you of the gospel, what he's doing, he says, I'm going to trade you gentleness for harshness and violence and harm. So you turn that in, and this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you gentleness. Uh, Think about this. Let's say in your car you have this box. And you need to take the box, and you need to carry it into your house. Okay, so you need to move the box from point A to point B. Now, how are you going to do it? Well, I know you're going to grab it, you're going to pick it up, you're going to carry it in. However, how you move it, kind of depends on what's in the box, right? On a side note, when I was a kid, I used to watch this TV show called Fraggle Rock. Anybody watch Fraggle Rock? It's a, it's kind of a strange little show. Uh, weird little creatures living in a secret little world. But anyway, side note. But I remember, I, I, was, I looked at one of these cardboard boxes one time, and I read the side, and I said, Fraggle, handle with care. What does that mean? <laughs> I said, oh, okay, someone probably told me, no, Ron, it's not fraggle, like fraggle rock, it's fragile, handle with care, meaning whatever's in the box is very breakable, so you want to be very careful in how you transport it, and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense, even though fraggle, that was kind of neat, Um, so, so let's say the box in your car is fragile, well, that's going to change how you carry it in, right, you're going to you're going to be a little more careful with it because the contents inside the box are very fragile, breakable. And uh, what we know from, from God's uh, plan for us is that He's always moving us from point A to point B. You know, He's always bringing about change in our lives. And the way He does that at times is through other Christians. And so you know, there are times that we need to speak truth to each other that is not always pleasant to share. Uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. And so, you know, God's using us in each other's lives. 
And, uh, and what Paul's saying here, though, is that as we are doing this, as we are walking out our faith with one another, that we are to engage with each other in gentleness. In other words, we need to see each other with these tags on that say, fragile, handle with care. We're breakable, right? So Paul says, be gentle. Not harsh, not violent, not seeking harm, but be gentle. The third virtue that he says we should express because of the gospel is patience. And you know, in order to be a patient people, we have to trade in uh, our strict timeline of our own agenda, right? I mean, oftentimes, I know for myself, I, I get the most impatient when I'm trying to get something specifically done and something interrupts it. And so in order to be a patient people, we have to trade in our strict timeline of our own agendas. And the gospel helps us to, the Lord helps us to broker that trade in our own hearts. Because being patient means giving people room and time to grow. Which may mean enduring some difficulty and even some annoying behavior in the process. Um, maybe you can relate to some of that. But the more we prioritize our agenda and what we're trying to accomplish, then the less patient with people we will become. But the more we love people as God loves people, and we recognize how God has been patient with us and is patient with us, then what that will do is help broker that trade deal in our own hearts that we will actually become more patient with other people as we seek to love them as God loves them. A fourth way that we walk worthy of our calling is by Bearing with one another in love. Or another way of saying this is to put up with one another in love. Now I wonder, has anybody ever put up with anybody? I think so. Everybody's like nudging. Yeah, you know, this guy over here, this person over here. We put up with people we love. Right? It's because we know, okay, and Paul knows this. You know, living out our calling with each other is not always easy. You know, there's bumps in the road. There's friction. We don't always agree on everything. That's the way it goes. We have to be humble and gentle and patient. And we need to bear with each other, put up with each other in love. Because the more we love people as God loves us, and we love them like God loves them, uh, we are more willing to extend grace and time uh, to them. And bear with them. And you know, part of this means to, and I know this takes some discernment, but I think Paul speaks to this in Corinthians as well. But we need to be willing to give up our rights at times and not stand on our rights, what you're entitled to. Sometimes we have to give that up in order to seek the good of the other person. Uh, One scholar said it this way, in order to have tolerant love, we must renounce our rights. Now listen to this. This is pretty pretty strong. As has been said, be careful of standing on your rights, for then God may stand on His. It's like, well, okay, that gives me a better glimpse of, you know, the Lord has been patient with us. The Lord has been gracious with us. kind to us. He has put up with us. 
And you know your past better than I do. You know the Lord has put up with you. He's put up, put up with me. And so we've experienced that, that love. And so now as the people of God, we should express that love to others. The fifth way we walk worthy of our calling is being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, to, to be eager means to make every effort. To make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Now notice this. We do not create unity. We don't see that here. We do not create it. We maintain it. Because the unity has already been established. It is our common faith in Christ. You know, Christ has established the unity. So when we come to Christ, we are one body. So the unity has already been established. It, it's there. The question is, are we maintaining it? Are we realizing it? And the way we make every effort to maintain it is to not allow things that are non-essential to the gospel to fracture us and divide us. But rather bring us together as we cooperate together uh, for gospel purposes. And so the way we maintain it is not by... Making everybody the same. That's not it either. You know, unity is not conformity. That we're not all the same. We know God has gifted each person different. Uh, we all come from different backgrounds. And yet our unity comes from being in Christ. And so we celebrate the diversity of the body. Because we are unified in Christ. We are part of the same body. Through our common faith in Him. And so Paul says... In the first three chapters, this is who you are in Christ. You are the people of God. Now let's walk in that. Let's, let's live it out. And then he also now reminds us in verses 4 through 6 of the foundation once again. What brings the unity? What unifies us together? And he uses seven ones. Seven ones to unify, to describe what unifies us as a people. Look at verses 4 through 6. He says, There is one body and one spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all in and all. Did you hear the seven ones? One body. Jesus only has one body. And so if you're in Christ, you're in that body. There is one body. One Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that bestows new life to us in Christ through the Gospel. One Spirit. One hope. Those in Christ share the same future with God for eternity. We share the same hope. One Lord. We have one Lord and His name is Jesus. One faith. Which means we share the one faith meaning that we believe the same gospel. One baptism. And what he's referring to here is that we've been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. Through placing our faith in the gospel. So if you have placed your faith in Christ. And you have been baptized or identified with Christ. And his people. And one God. There is one God and father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. And so it is these seven ones that make us one. It's Paul's argument. And so this, this oneness. This unity of our calling. Should compel us then to treat one another with. Humility and gentleness and patience and love. Again, our, our identity, who we are in Christ, 
should drive our activity. It's not our activity that drives our identity, but it's our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ, what God has done for us in Christ that drives our activity because of what God has done for us. And the more we understand that and it sinks into our being, then the more our lives should begin to measure up to who we are in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as we walk through this passage, uh, we have uh, been a, be, become very aware that there are certain areas of our lives that just don't measure up. Uh, you know, we, we recognize that we can be an impatient people. We can be a harsh people at times. We can be unloving. Uh, we can be divisive instead of unifying. Lord, all these things can be true of us and are true of us at times here. And Lord, we are so thankful that it's not our walk that puts us in a right relationship with you, but it's the walk of Christ, what He has done for us, that puts us in a right relationship with you. And Lord, now would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to be honest with ourselves, honest with our sin, uh, call it what it is, and be open to change? And Lord, would you change us because of what Christ has done for us? Will you help our activity to be driven by our identity and what you have done for us in Christ? And that is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.